You are listening to Alter Echo, a scripture and message podcast with pastors Andy Smith and Kim Kylo of St. John's Lutheran Church, ELCA, Lakeville, Minnesota. Thanks for joining us and worshiping with us. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to this Alter Echo podcast for the weekend of March 26th and 27th. We are really marching along, aren't we? March has gone by so quickly. And yet in the last week, we have experienced all four seasons here in Minnesota. It was 60, 65 degrees last Sunday, just gorgeous. And now we've had snow and bluster and rain and sleet and all kinds of wind even yet today. And it's cold out. And so I hope you are able to be sitting down and listening to this podcast with a nice warm hot cup of coffee in your hands and are able to just sit back and take in the Word of God, the love of God, the presence of God through everything that we read and and, uh, consider today. I also want to thank you if you've been giving to the efforts to help people in Ukraine. I know many of you have. There are all kinds of places where you could give, give money. This is what we can do right now as Americans, uh, besides advocating for our friends and neighbors in Ukraine who are being so unfairly uh, bombed and destroyed by Vladimir Putin and Russia. But if you want to give and you want to find a good place to give, I've got two for you. One, of course, is Lutheran Disaster Response. Google that and you'll find right away uh, an ability to give. When you give a gift to Lutheran Disaster Response, that's our ELCA effort around the world. Uh, All 100% of that gift will go to the people of Ukraine and to those um, places and, and venues that are able to provide relief, food, Uh, safety, things like that in Ukraine. The other place that I know of that is very reputable is Jose Andres and the World Central Kitchen. Jose is a chef, internationally known. He was one of the first people to get right to Ukraine when the war started. And so World Central Kitchen is another place where you can give. Thank you for your gifts. As importantly or more importantly, thank you for continuing to pray for the people of Ukraine and surrounding countries who can help. Pray for an end to war. Pray for a new um, spirit to enter the hearts of um, the leadership of Russia. Thank you for that. Continue to pray for our world and for peace and for what we can do together. Think of the possibilities of what we can do together when we are for each other rather than against each other. So thank you in this important time. Well, everyone, we're on chapter 30 in the Brian McLaren book. It's called Why We Worry, Why We Judge, and that's going to be our topic today. We are in the end of Matthew 6 and getting on toward the end of the Sermon on the Mount as well. We're going to read from 19, chapter, um, chapter 6, verses 19 through 34, and then we're also going to read chapter 7, 1 through 12. 1 through 11. And I just want you to consider uh, these words today. Today I'm going to read from the message version of the Bible. If you've got it, go ahead and, and find it. But otherwise, just sit back and listen. It's a longer reading, so here we go. Jesus says, Don't hoard treasure down here where it gets eaten by moths and corroded by rust, or worse, stolen by burglars. 
stockpile treasure in heaven where it's safe from moth and rust and burglars. It's obvious, isn't it? The place where your treasure is, is the place you will most want to be and end up being. Your eyes are windows into your body. If you open your eyes wide in wonder and belief, your body fills up with light. If you live squinty-eyed in greed and distrust, your body is a dank cellar. If you pull the blinds on your windows, what a dark life you will have. You can't worship two gods at once. Loving one god, you'll end up hating the other. Adoration of one feeds contempt for the other. You can't worship God and money both. If you decide for God, living a life of God worship, it follows that you don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtime or whether the clothes in your closet are in fashion. There is far more to your life than the food you put in your stomach, more to your outer appearance than the clothes you hang on your body. Look at the birds, free and unfettered, not tied down to a job description, careless in the care of God. And you count far more to him than birds. Has anyone by fussing in front of the mirror ever gotten taller by so much as an inch? All this time and money wasted on fashion. Do you think it makes that much difference? Instead of looking at the fashions, walk out into the fields and look at the wildflowers. They never primp or shop. But have you ever seen such color and design quite like it? The ten best-dressed men and women in the country look shabby alongside them. If God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never even seen, don't you think he'll attend to you? take pride in you, do his best for you. What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way God works fuss over these things, but you know both God and how God works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. Don't pick on people. Jump on their failures. Criticize their faults. Unless, of course, you want the same treatment. That critical spirit has a way of boomeranging. It's easy to see a smudge on your neighbor's face and be oblivious to the ugly sneer on your own. Do you have the nerve to say, let me wash your face for you, when your own face is distorted by contempt? It's this whole traveling roadshow mentality all over again, playing a holier-than-thou part instead of just living your part. Wipe that ugly sneer off your own face, and you might be fit to offer a washcloth to your neighbor. Don't be flip with the sacred. 
Banter and silliness give no honor to God. Don't reduce holy mysteries to slogans. In trying to be relevant, you're only being cute and inviting sacrilege. Don't bargain with God. Be direct. Ask for what you need. This isn't a cat and mouse hide and seek game we're in. If your child asks for bread, do you trick him with sawdust? If he asks for a fish, do you scare him with a live snake on his plate? As bad as you are, you wouldn't think of such a thing. You're at least decent to your own children. So don't you think the God who conceived you in love will be even better? So, in everything, do to others what you would have them do for you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. <laughs> Dear friends, this is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Well, I'm going to do something a little different in church this weekend. I'm going to use the slides that we see on the wall if you've been in our sanctuary. If you haven't, you're just going to have to imagine this today. But I am going to, in the beginning tomorrow, bring along a headlamp. Because I want to start this way, okay? I'm going to put the headlamp on, and then I'm going to invite the congregation to sing with me. And I'm going to invite you to sing with me right now. Just imagine my headlamp on, kind of, you know, lighting my path down the center aisle at church. But join me in this old, well, it's not so old, but, you know, it's an Amy Grant song from a while ago, Thy, Lamp, Thy Word, and I think you know it as well. So let's, let's just sing a couple of the verses, okay? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. When I feel afraid, think I've lost my way, still you're there right beside me. Nothing will I fear as long as you are near. Please be near me to the end. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I will not forget your love for me, and yet my heart forever is wandering. Jesus, be my guide, and hold me to your side, and I will love you to the end. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. I know, that's kind of a favorite of many. I want to sing it today because the words to it apply so well to this gospel passage. Jesus really goes after a number of things. Brian McLaren helps us distill it. 
And here's where Brian McLaren goes, and here's where I want to go with it today too, because ultimately what's behind these things is an issue that we all struggle with. But he says that Jesus really is talking here about anxiety, and I'm going to suggest the word worry instead. Anxiety, if it comes up in your Bible and it does in the, in the NRSV, is uh, different uh, when it's talked about in the Bible versus maybe in our clinical descriptions and definitions of it today. So Jesus is talking about worry, incessant worry. He's talking about judgmentalism on our part toward others. And then he's talking about being loved and trusting it. Do we ultimately trust that Jesus loves us, number one, and that Jesus' love of us is enough, that it's real and actual and enough? So let me ask the question today, why, why do we worry? I mean, it's natural. All of us do it. All of us worry far more than we want to even admit. But why do we worry? Well, we worry because we are not in control of our life and we never will be. So part of the illusion for us is that worry can change that and make us feel more in control. Ultimately, however, what worry does is makes us worry <laughs> all the more. Hmm? The, uh, the medical community in our country has identified nine or ten things that happen to every single person who worry, who people like us who worry, disrupted sleep, headaches, difficulty concentrating, nausea, muscle tension, exhaustion. Are you, are you identifying with most or all these? Irritability, <laughs> elevated levels of the stress hormone cortisol, difficulty making decisions. Why do we worry so much? And maybe the next question is why do we allow ourselves to worry so much when those are the effects? Those are the the byproducts, the side effects that are extremely real and that happen to us all the time. My sleep, because I worry, is disrupted every single night, it seems like. I have to lay back, say my prayers even, try to try to physically and intentionally put myself in, in God's hands. And usually it helps. I want to tell you a quick little story that I think does have to do with worry. It's part of the effect that worry has on us that draws us back into ourselves rather than in another place that we should be. Stories of a woman who went to a therapist and he had an hour for her. She scheduled an hour and he welcomed her small talk for just a little bit and then they got into it and he said, all right, go ahead and tell me what's on your mind. And for the next hour, 50-some minutes, she complained about her life. It was one thing after the next. And at the end of the hour, as the therapist was noticing the time, the therapist took one look at her, and he said, for the last hour, you have done nothing but complain about your life. And she looked at him, and he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go home and I want you to sit in your dining room and I want you to look out the picture window that is right there and I want you to look out at the large tree that is in the front of your yard. 
She thought this was so odd. And she looked at him and she said, why? (laughs) And he said, because I want you to see something bigger than yourself. Hmm. Worry has so much to do with us wanting to control everything. And we can't. It's not possible. It's not even an option in this life to control everything. Worry ends up controlling us unless we turn our gaze outward and we look at the world that God has created and realize it is something far bigger than us. That there are people in need that we are called to run to and help. And that God is bigger than us and God can handle the things that we are worried about. Jesus addresses this in, in this lesson in this gospel today. Ultimately, when we worry, are we putting our faith in God? <laughs> Secondly, why are we judgmental to others? This was a big section in this passage. Why are we judgmental toward others? So cutting and biting and holier than thou, as the message version said, self-righteous. Why? Well, because it makes us feel in control of something. But this control is destructive. If we can't control life, and if we realize that life is out of our control, then doesn't judgmentalism take us into one place where we think we can control something, and yet look how destructive judgmentalism toward others is. I always loved Sarah Bareilles' song, King of Anything. The song has a line that says, who made you the king of anything? (laughs) You know, we operate that way so often. We operate like we're in control of people. And we find ways to let them know that. That's what judgmentalism is. We cut them down. We berate them. We degrade them. This happens often. Why do we allow ourselves to go there? This is anything but love for neighbor that God calls us to. I had a mentor some years ago. He's passed away now, but he was a pastor mentor of mine. And he talked about how his mom... When he was young, and he never forgot this, his mom always said to him, never ever make fun of the weaknesses of others. Think about it. Never ever make fun of the weaknesses of others. This is what bullies in school do all the time. It's the easiest attack, isn't it? (laughs) You know, people search out vulnerabilities in other people, weaknesses in other people, the places where they're the most weak, you know, where they're the most vulnerable, and then they go after that, and they let that kind of judgmentalism make them feel good as though they have just been in control of somebody else. How rotten, how sick is that? Hmm? Jesus tells us not to worry, which curves us in upon ourselves, and we worry all the more rather than being turned outward to see all of the beauty, all of the grandeur, and all of the ways that God is in control of the things that we're not in control of. And then he calls us to back far away from judgmentalism, from this singular lane of control that we think we can have over people. Sure, we can have that control, but is it ever positive or life-giving? 
never, never, never ever make fun of the weaknesses of others also means never ever be judgmental towards somebody else who is a child of God, a creation of God, just like you in me. No different, no worse, no better, but the people of this world who are the people of God. What's the antidote hmm? to worry and judgmentalism? Here's what I think it is. It's trust in God's actual, real-time love of us and all people always. We need to remind ourselves of this. It's two things. It's trusting in God's way. And it's trusting that God's love of us and of all people is actually present here. It actually has a power to it. It is real in our real time. That's one of the antidotes to worry and judgmentalism, trusting in God's actual real-time love of everyone that changes things. And then it is faith in God's word of truth, this word that actually does light our path. Why do we sing that song earlier? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Because God's word takes us down a different path in life. We are disciples. We are ones who, who look to Jesus and want to follow, and want to follow in Jesus' way. And we have to remind ourselves of this. We have to think about this often. But this is the beautiful gift of God. Jesus calls his disciples to address worry and judgmentalism specifically and to set it aside because it does damage to us and others. It's an obstacle to faith, hope, and love. Do you do this? Do you ever stop and stop yourself and say, what am I doing here? Why am I allowing worry to control me? Why am I allowing myself to be judgmental? Look what it's doing to me. I want to ask the question finally at the end here today. Where's the good news? in liberation and all this. Because ultimately the gospel is meant to not only give us a path and give us ways to live on that path. Those are good. Sometimes they can be a little oppressive, I suppose, if we fight against them all the time. But the gospel is also the gospel of good news. There's got to be something in all of this that is liberating to us and that makes us understand how good God is and how grace-filled God is to us, that God draws us in and wants to include us in this because God knows we are better than who we ourselves often are at times. Here's the gospel, I think. It's in McLaren's last couple sentences in his chapter this week. Here's what he says. Try telling yourself, my own anxiety or worry is more dangerous to me than whatever I am anxious about. Think about that. My own worry is more dangerous to me than whatever I'm anxious about. And my own habit of condemning is more dangerous to me than what I condemn in others. My misery is unnecessary because I am truly, truly, truly loved. Hmm. The liberation, the good news, is that Jesus shows us that we don't have to worry 
or be judgmental because we shouldn't worry and be judgmental. And when we are given an off-ramp, when we're given Jesus coming specifically to us on these two specific topics and saying, you don't have to do this. In fact, you shouldn't want to do this because it's damaging to you. It's more damaging to be worry, worryful, anxious, and especially judgmental. It's more damaging to you than you think. Let go of it. Take the off-ramp I'm giving you. In turn and be with the people around you that I have created. Work together, love them, appreciate them. Trust me, my love is real. My power and presence and strength are actual right now in you, for you, and with all of us. This is what Jesus not only goes to the cross for, but accomplishes. Jesus brings us close and together with him, reconciles us, makes a bridge over the caverns and, and chasms of our lives, and does that for us so that we can be in the same reconciled place with each other. Dear friends, this is grace. This is Christ's grace and sacrifice for us. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. And now God's Word is alive in us again anew. And we get the blessing of being called to let it echo through us, out into the world in which we live. Everyone, if you wish to give your offering now to support things like this podcast and the work and ministry of St. John's Church in Lakeville, Minnesota, I invite you to do that. Please go to our website at sjlcl.org. I'll repeat it, sjlcl.org. And up in the right-hand corner, you'll see a little button named Donate. Hit that button and you can give your offering to God and for the work of God in the world through this church in Lakeville, Minnesota. Thank you in advance for the gifts and the offerings that you give. And now as we go on our way, we are sent with the blessing of peace, the benediction. Dear friends, may the road rise to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face and the rains fall soft upon your fields. And until we meet again, till we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. God loves you, everyone. God be with you until next week.